Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Fergus O'Carroll in Chicago. As always, you can connect with me on LinkedIn and you can download our 2023 sponsor kit on our homepage at onstrategyshowcase.com. We're approaching three quarters of a million cumulative downloads of the show and reaching top marketing and agency talent worldwide. If your brand wants to reach client-side marketers and marketing services agencies, then this is the platform for you to do it in meaningful ways. In this, the third episode of our travel and tourism series, we're going to be talking airlines. It's interesting to look at how various airlines have emerged from the pandemic. A few have taken the opportunity to refresh their brand campaigns, seeing opportunities to capture a sort of disproportionate share of returning travelers. British Airways, as many of you may remember, got a lot of attention last year for its British Originals campaign. Uh, You may remember the creative device taken from the arrivals form so many of us have to fill out when landing in a new country. It asks us whether we're traveling for business or leisure purposes. The campaign then provided a third reason, the more kind of specific personal reason, and uh, did a ton of fantastic executions that really celebrated the many human, joyful, and personal moments that motivate our travels. Here in the U.S., the direction taken by today's guest, United Airlines, was similar in that it didn't focus on destinations, but on the the company itself and its people. It's in essence an ESG campaign that defines the airlines and its people as a force for good. Now, I'm typically skeptical of ESG campaigns in general, particularly among larger major brands. But what intrigued me about this was its primary target being younger travelers, those in essence without established perceptions or preferences for an airline brand. Might they, in fact, be less skeptical and more open to its message and its production style? Many in the U.S. may remember the iconic United Airlines campaigns of the past that featured the Come Fly the Friendly Skies tagline and that wonderful Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue Here's a taste. Before we get started, I want to welcome back Anne Cohenson to help me with the intro to this episode. She's Director of Commercial Strategy and Consulting at Kantar in London. Welcome, Anne. Thank you, Fergus. Great to be back again. So um, let's just talk about a couple of things. What 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 is the critical marketing challenge that faces uh, major airlines today? And I think there are a couple. So obviously, um, starting with the core challenge that will remain is reliability. I think, particularly in the US, there have been huge challenges recently on network profile service um, service failures, et cetera, at peak points in travel season. So that will be a challenge, not necessarily only a marketing challenge, but a challenge that needs to be addressed continuously and that needs to be addressed in a positive way that you can really rely, rely on an airline. I think a big theme, theme specifically for the younger audience is personalization. So we know from experience, millennials are really, really big on personalization and they're increasingly becoming the core traveling audiences. 
think about sort of the personalized program that is shown on board, for example. How can you anticipate what do you put on a screen for somebody who sits down before they sit down on their seat? And how can you have sort of that data-driven AI in order to inform that afterwards as well? There's things about what food or beverage do you offer people on board? If that is, is there an element that you can anticipate people's preferences and offer them something that's relevant for them at the moment as well? And then it goes on to personal greetings, rewards, um, et cetera, on that as well. So it's really making you feel as if you're not the person on free on seat 44B, but if people sort of know or the airlines know something around you before and really sort of welcome you as a person and welcome you as Anne or Fergus, et cetera, knowing something about you before you bought the plane and also act and make you feel really valued as a as a passenger. Thank you, Anne. And thanks to Kantar for sponsoring this travel and tourism series. We'll be right back. Thanks to Kantar for supporting this travel and tourism series, home to Brand Z, Insights 2030, and other key industry reports. Kantar is the world's leading marketing data and analytics company. With Kantar, you gain a complete, unique, and rounded understanding of how people think, feel, and act globally and locally in over 90 markets. By combining the deep expertise of its people, data resources, innovative analytics, and tech, Kantar helps clients understand people and inspire growth. To learn more, visit Kantar.com. That's K-A-N-T-A-R.com. Now back to the show. So here are Maggie Schmirin, Head of Global Advertising and Social Media at United Airlines in Chicago, and Carl Mueller, Co-Head of Strategy at 72 and Sunny in Los Angeles. Enjoy. So it is great to have the team from 72 and Sunny and United uh, with us today to talk about airlines and obviously a critical part of how we get to anywhere in the tourism, travel and tourism sector. So I want to welcome Maggie and Carl. Great to have you both here. Thanks, Fergus. Great to be with you. Yes, absolute pleasure to be on. Thank you. So um, let's just start off because I know it's a basic question, but we have a lot of listeners outside the U.S. Um, and so they may not be as familiar, Maggie, with United. Can you can you tell us about the sort of the scope and the reach of United Airlines? Sure. United has emerged over the last few years, specifically with the backdrop of the pandemic, as the flag carrier of the United States. And just some examples, you know, on, on why we feel that. This summer, we will fly more flights to Europe than all other U.S. airlines combined. Um, and we could say that a lot about a lot of places that we fly to. So our massive and complex route network is absolutely an important part of that. Is it the largest airline in the U.S.? You know, that is a really interesting question. It depends on how you measure that. And that can be measured by lots of different things. We fly to more destinations than any other U.S. carrier, but you can also look at, um, you know, a few different metrics. I, I can offline with you about that. Um, so, so you have that, but yeah. So it, because, you know, here in the U.S., um, I'm thinking from a U.S. perspective, we've got the big ones are United, American, and Delta. How do you guys, how do you think, when you think of it from a U.S. perspective, how do you think um, United is dis truly distinctive from those airlines? What is the well, one, or, one or two key things that you kind of go, we're different because X and Y? 
this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So I will actually go back a couple of years ago. This was pre-pandemic. My team was doing some focus group testing, you know, where you're sitting behind the uh, the mirror watching a group of travelers talk about, you know, okay, if United, American, Delta, if we were personalities, you know, what, what would we be? And I have two verbatims that people said in those focus groups that will be burned into my brain, um, you know, for, for the rest of time. The first was United Airlines is like a wedding and a country club, but there's a cash bar. And the second was, <laughs> it gets better. The second was United Airlines is like your uncle who's never tried sushi. <laughs> so if you think about, you know, that's the place that we were coming from, you know, five or so years ago, we really had a big opportunity and a challenge to better differentiate and define our brand. You know, just if you look at United, American, Delta, but were Southwest. you? But were you? But were you coming from? It sounds like you were. Was that the way to describe American and Delta, or was it? Was that uniquely a United description? Those two things were uniquely United, but honestly, that type of sentiment really was the same for the three large, what we call legacy carriers. And yeah. so it's been a sea of sameness in airline marketing. You know, even if you just look at us visually, every major airline in the United States has blue somewhere in their color palette. Yeah. The Department of Homeland Security uses blue. TSA uses blue. Up until this most recent advertising campaign at United, we actually used the same font as the TSA. And so we were truly starting from this sea of sameness, both with what we look like in our brand, but also, you know, how people per perceived us. And so as a marketer, this was a really fun challenge because we knew we absolutely had to focus on differentiating. You know, when Carl and I sat down with our teams to think about what's the campaign that we want to design, mission critical to us was making sure that we did not build work that Delta or American or Southwest or Marriott, Airbnb, or even a tourism, you know, board could come in and easily swap their logo on. When we look at it from a consumer perspective, I mean, from my point of view, I'll just be my own opinion. And for the people around me, I don't really care whether I get from here to LA on Delta, American or United. I have small little perceptual differences um, with one over the other, but I'm really after convenience. I'm really after a reasonable price point, a fair price point, and and, and convenience means I want to get there on when when I want to get there. Um, oh, yeah. But what what in general does do, does the data say in terms of do leisure travelers in general care who they fly on as long as it's one of the big three? There is definitely a sizable part of the market that is actually pretty loyal. Then there is a sizable part of the market that is a bit like you, Fergus, that prioritizes routes and fares. And there it's really just about having the right plane at the right airport, leaving at the right time at the right price. And then there is a, I would say, and I mean, Maggie, keep me honest, like a 20 to 30% um, cohort that is sort of, that might have some mild preferences, but is actually up for grab. And if anything, more up for grab now post-pandemic, because some of those mild preferences have just been sort of flushed out by not traveling for a few years. And those are the people that inevitably then all airlines aggressively market against. 
that sort of 30% of potential switchers that aren't just looking for the cheapest route or the most direct flight and aren't indoctrinated by parenting and, you know, uh, various travel habits they picked up in their youth to a certain airline. Um, so lots going on in that uh, market uh, and, and certainly uh, uh, customers out there that can be won with marketing and then customers out there that can only be won through operations. Of course, you know, for the listener who probably many of them are clawing at their uh, their headsets now, um, wanting to ask this question, the airline category has been villainized for um, the right reasons, right? Because you guys as an industry, and United is included in it, um, it's it can be a nightmare, right? To travel and the extra fees and the pricing and the premiumization, et cetera, et cetera, right? And these are these are industry-wide things. And I'm just curious, as you guys began to look at how to reposition and how to message, how big a factor was that uh, in people just being very cynical about the industry and and what your your supposed good intentions? You think about the brand, not the business of United. This unique opportunity where after a decade of uh, increased frustrations with the experience of getting on a plane, suddenly as a collective, we were yearning for it. And so uh, this was not, (laughs) we did not plan the pandemic, but we certainly were aware that this was a unique moment for an airline to be confident about talking about what it has to offer to the world and to flyers and know that actually there might be like a a welcome reception to this kind of storytelling. Um, And so, you know, uh, like I said, uh, uh, was was not something that was in the marketing plan when it was built (laughs) pre-pandemic, but when it did happen, uh, it really presented this brand with an opportunity to be confident in its storytelling. And that then, and we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, bore out in the data that we saw uh, come back from from that campaign. So let's let's dig into this, Maggie. Where did this all start for you? Was there was there a um, a very specific ask that you had of 72 and Sunny? What was what was your ask? Well, you know, to make things extra fun for ourselves during the pandemic, we we actually did a creative agency RFP. So we weren't even working with 72 and Sunny at the time. Um, but we knew that we were, you know, looking for the right partner to help us really differentiate and kind of start a new journey um, with our approach to this style of work. So we actually did an agency RFP at a time when no one was back in the office, we had many meetings outdoors. We had dinners this, out in the patio. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I can, you know, some of this was done, um, you know, prior to the vaccine. So we were really safe about how we did it. And truly, um, because 72 and sunny is based in, you know, beautiful Los Angeles, we were able to meet outside and social distance and have tissue sessions and go through decks. Um, so first it started with finding the right partner for us. And I want to give, you know, a major shout out to our friends at 72 and Sunny because I come from the agency side myself. I've worked with a lot of agencies. I've been on a lot of interagency teams and 72 and Sunny better than any agency I've seen out there. And this was really, you know, led by Carl and his strategy team. 
really got in to understand the internal culture at United. Again, at a time when everyone was working remotely, you know, this was a group that said, hey, can you give us access to your terminal at LAX? And we are going to go spend the entire day there. And we said, yes, we love that that's what you want to do. We took them around to different parts of the airport. And one of the best things was they produced a little magazine, actually, um, during the pitch process back to us saying, you know, this is what we heard from your own employees when we were in break rooms and we were walking the halls at your airport. And it was really clear to us that they captured what we saw as United employees. There was so much good already going on at this company. You know, we didn't have to go and create this advertising or marketing campaign and put a ton of spin on the ball about, you know, promises of what's to come in the future. The good was happening today in real time. It had actually been happening for years, but we had struggled to tell that story and to differentiate ourselves. So Maggie, though, just to follow up on that, did you, did you, um, um, did you have a strategic hypothesis already in your head about how you wanted the brand to be different, or did you leave it open? We we knew from the start that we needed to differentiate and that we could, and that we really needed to capture our employees and really make sure that this work felt like it represented what is a really strong culture at United and employees are really proud to work here. They love being ambassadors for the brand. Um, but that necessarily wasn't translating to the general public. Why did you, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, Megan. Yeah. But why did you, why did you think that you needed or you had an opportunity to showcase employees? We are nothing without our employees and nothing without our frontline. You know, we consider our frontline employees anyone that helps get the aircraft off the ground is interacting with customers. So that's everything from lobby agents to gate agents, pilots, flight attendants, the team that works on the ramp. Um, they are so mission critical to what we do. And, you know, probably the best example is we actually don't call our office in Chicago our headquarters. We call it our, you know, corporate support center because everything we do um, as MA employees is in support of the front line and the operation. And so we really wanted to make sure, especially after going through the pandemic, and we all have seen the stories of what flight attendants went through and what, you know, gate agents went through during those um, times to make sure that they felt reflected and championed in this work. So then th that's interesting. So the, um, because there's two sides to this, there's what you're going to message and then it's who you're going to message it to. So, so the first part of it is what you're going to message. So it's interesting that I totally get the fact that this was about celebrating the commitment that these people throughout the organization have made uh, it's a great way to retain them. It's a great way to keep them engaged and to appreciate appreciate them. Um, the flip side of that, the other part, which is who you're marketing this message to, how did you feel that that would resonate? The, the stories of employees and of the organization, um, I can see that that would be done just because we want the organization to feel good about itself and um, and for it to be projected in a positive way. But that's talking about yourselves rather than talking about what consumers want. And I'm just curious, how did you then define the target? Because how did you know that that message would be interesting to people outside of the organization? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, 
This is a, an answer that maybe is slightly counter sort of the uh, traditional strategic um, approach to this kind of uh, marketing effort. Um, I think the, f- the first thing uh, to say is that like this was a brand reintroduction moment. And so we unashamedly were focusing a lot on what the brand had to say. That was like a primary driver of how we were thinking about this marketing strategically and creatively. Um, There was a lot of executional concern, like Maggie said, about how we A, differentiate, and then also obviously connect. So our tone, our like treatments, All that was trying to sort of speak to and show up to a uh, leisure traveler that wasn't super interested in a big corpo for business airline. But the core strategy was definitely an inside out story, starting with United and culminating in the traveler. Uh, And then an, an additional like nuance of, Uh, We were doing this at massive scale. You know, I had the pleasure of listening to the Expedia podcast uh, as it was released this week. And like them, you know, they are almost forced to hold on to big human universal truths because they are marketing themselves to like the biggest possible audience. Anyone who flies a plane or anyone who books a hotel room for United and Expedia respectively. So we had a... We had a sense of an audience that um, was looking for brands that uh, were not just obsessed with pure profit and operations, but was looking to sort of positively affect the world through shared values. Um, that is a like pretty familiar uh, insight for marketing, but it is a universal and powerful one. The reason it was of such high interest for United and for this team was that kind of brand doesn't exist in aviation. You know, it's easy to say the world wants brands that do good in the world. It's hard to position an airline as such a brand, but that's what United is. And yeah, so, and, and, and that's and that's the that's the that's the brave action in this, which is right. you're almost touching the third rail. Um, in terms of, and you have to be super careful about how you execute against this type of ESG sort of message in the world of aviation, um, given the reputation of the category. I mean, that, I know people hate using the word brave, but that was either brave or naive, (laughs) you know what I mean? Because it's a tough thing to attempt to do, even if it's true. I don't necessarily see it even is that brave only because we have the receipts as the kids say these days, you know, we have the receipts to back it all up. And so going into, you know, the ESG space does not scare us um, because we are leading and doing more than any other airline in the world. We are not afraid to say we are part of the problem. Um, We are very aware of the emissions from our aircraft and what that does. And so we feel that, you know, we are taking the actual actions, which, you know, again, it's just, it's a dream situation, you know, for me and Carl and our teams as marketers, because we don't have to talk about a future promise or intentions on where we're headed. You know, these are things that we're doing today. We honestly have been doing as a company, um, and we just now have to do a better job of making sure people are aware of them. 
So the 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 part of this case that um, really uh, interested me a lot was the sort of the target as you defined it. Um, can we talk a little bit about about who you ultimately decided your target should be and and why uh, why that target? Because of the time period when we were coming out with this new work, you know, again, during the pandemic where we had seen shifts in who flew us, you know, typically pre-pandemic on any given flight, the majority of the customers were part of our loyalty program, Mileage Plus. Then you look at the height of the pandemic and we actually saw, you know, slightly... um, a slight advantage to people that weren't, you know, necessarily part of our loyalty program. You know, ske- route schedules, route networks had changed. So people were really, you know, just trying to fly who could get them there with the least number of stops, you know, for for the right price. And so we had an opportunity because we were reintroducing the brand to really do this at scale and talk to the mass traveler, you know, really anyone that is willing to travel. Let me go back to an earlier question just to see if we can burrow in on, in, in on it a little bit. Was there a sense coming out of the pandemic that United had was at risk of losing something and therefore they needed to do this brand campaign in order to uh, get ahead of it? Or was there a different reason for doing the brand campaign? I mean, there was obviously a business reason for doing it. Was it about you saw an opportunity to steal share and increase share? Was it that you felt that you were at risk? Can you share anything about that? I think it's appropriate to say that United grew and is therefore often perceived as what I understood to be called like a front of plane airline. There was uh, much success with business and corporate travel. And I think the pandemic certainly reset how United had to win And so one of the things that I love about the work and I love about the partnership with United is like we focus on the whole plane and we want to be seen as more than just a corporate carrier. And so I think that might be, you know, that answers some of the questions of like, yes, of course, post-pandemic leisure travel was going to be the thing that was going to quote unquote save the industry. That was what's going to come back first actually collectively continue to squint at corporate travel a little bit but um and so uh, to for united to win as much of that return to travel as possible the brand did have to evolve slightly from a possibly more corporate business class carrier to like a carrier for everyone and every seat on every route having an excellent experience so that might be a nuance that goes in there too yeah, I, I, I think that's I think that's true. Um, and you know, keeping in mind that this is the airline that for years was come fly the friendly skies and that beautiful uh, Gershwin Rhapsody in blue, which is like stuck right. in the back of my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine mine too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always. So that leads that point you just made, Carl, kind of leads nicely into the discussion of the target audience because you guys have talked about it as your primary audience, not your only, but your primary audience being sort of that eighteen to thirty-five year old, and so a younger a younger demo, um, and also you guys talked about Southwest passengers as being a primary target. Um, could one of you talk about that? We were designing for eighteen to thirty-five because. Those uh, were driving leisure travel. The data was suggesting we're going to be first back out up in the air post-pandemic. And uh, definitely also, um, you know, our 
sentiment setters are most likely to share positive sentiment about an experience. And so having them convinced would escalate our story and amplify it, I think, uh, in the best way. So we, yes, 18 to 35 leisure travelers who had an orientation towards brands that have a sense of responsibility to do good in the world would be like the precise definition. So, you know, this brings up one of the, the important sort of um, things that we want to surface through this series, this travel and tourism series, which is what are the key factors that different aspects of the industry are facing? And, and my sense in listening to our conversation so far is that uh, maybe I'm wrong in, in, in assuming this, but that there's also a recognition that there's a new generation of flyers coming into the category that don't have any set loyalty or preferences or maybe not enough of them do. And that is, it is therefore smart for brands to begin to establish those preferences and to do it in a way that connects with them, not dismissing the, the, the need to keep a connection with, with, with others, but just making sure that you're dialed into that next generation. Otherwise you're going to be chasing price um, and, uh, and offers for the next 20 years. Carl, does that make any sense to you? hundred percent for sure. I think that's, I, you know, I think we are building a brand for the next 10, 20 years. I mean, some of the stories we tell will, you know, our efforts United are making that will culminate sometime in 2050. And so uh, we are very forward looking as we think about this brand and as we think about our audience, for sure. Um, and that's a tough audience to win with. No yes, doubt. it is. Yeah. They are, um, you, uh, one of one of the things that uh, should be pointed out is there's a, a sort of a premium illusion to certain carriers. Like we think of uh, Delta and United and um, American as just the more expensive choice. That's really a ticket by ticket, fare by fare, route by route, plane by plane, like sometimes we're cheaper than Southwest. Sometimes we're the same. Sometimes we're more expensive. So, um, but there is definitely a cohort of travelers growing up that want both value and values. And we are trying to build an operation for the former that can uh, meet the expected price points that people are looking for. And then a brand for the latter that sort of opens uh, this traveler's mind to an airline that sees itself as more than just an airline. We are not satisfied with just being an airline. All of that, all of that stated, you then get into, I, I got to assume, the part that where you have to start now creating things. So you've got a sense of where you need you want to go. Now you've got to create things and assets, et cetera, and ideas. And you know, um this is the tough part because I remember when uh, Ogilvy, when I was at Ogilvy, the uh, and of course the airlines are not British Petroleum or the oil industry, but they also are villainized. It took on the BP business this. Um, it took, I think, close to a year to get the tone right in testing concepts and work and way messages were framed and how they were communicated. Going back and forth, trying to fine tune um, for a brand that had the best of intentions and was was taking actions, but it kept hitting that cynical reaction from that younger target audience. And I'm curious for both of you guys, how did you 
how did you get close to that audience to understand how best to frame the messages or, or did you look at it a completely different way? Um, at the risk of talking too much, I'm going to lead us into this one too, because I have strong. Go for it. Very this strong is your opinion. area. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, shout out to just having a really great creative department at 72. That makes uh, what is a, usually a very hard journey was made. Surpro- I mean, I think it's fair to say, Maggie, like we were loving the vibe uh, as early as in the pitch. Like things started to feel right pretty quickly. We have, as much as our clients allow at 72, an obsession with testing strategy to death so that we don't have to test creativity to death. We want to be super confident in the what we say, and then we want to be confident in our agency client expertise on how to say it. And so, uh, folks, we did, I mean, concept testings. We did RTB max diff analysis. We we did this globally. We double-clicked on US. We triple-clicked on hubs. We really, really got under the hood of, like, how do you position an airline as a force for good that doesn't get the BS reaction? So, uh, Carl, you guys, obviously, we've all gotten the impression from listening to this so far that this wasn't like uh, planning went away into a corner and developed strategies. It was, this was a collective effort with the client, which is awesome. What did you guys end up? How would you? Well, let me ask you this way: How would you describe the strategic recommendation? What, in a few words, or how would you describe it? I mean, I, I think the the strategic center that we delivered back to United uh, was United is not just an airline, it's a force for good in the world. And in that statement was this ambition to really break free of the expectations of aviation as being a sinner and frankly, like a, a cash register to like a a global citizen that that does the right thing and and i Maggie said it several times i love nothing more than like united is the first company to be like yeah it, airlines pollute so airlines have to clean and so anyway that that i would say was like the strategic north star and that is really what we're trying to earn in our storytelling is like yes we're a brilliant airline that flies you from point a to point b but actually, we're so much more than that. That's a tough one, Carl, man. I know the strategists around the world are going to be going, a force for good in the world? Yes, I know. Man, oh, man. It, not, it feels like it's a chest beating, which is, again, is what you may not want to do. But the words, I mean, did you have to finesse that a lot? Because it's those are those are fighting words, and they're, they, they invite criticism. It, might, it will be what I would worry about. Yeah, I, I will say a couple of things. I'll say, first of all, uh, I I don't love force for good as a, just a promise from brands. I think it is overused and unearned. I loved it in this instance because, like we said earlier, there was just a complete, like, audaciousness of a an airline saying that. It's just completely jarring. And um, so... Uh, what seems like a bit of a familiar set of words took for me a whole new meaning when they come from a company like United with its scale and its impact. Um, and then, like, I, I really, I can't tell you, like, how hard we worked in 
execution to make sure that this is delivered in a way that feels honest. And so to sort of go back, like to look at a C-suite or to look at a tarmac or to look at an airport and put the words force for good over it seems people would just reject it. Uh, Show, um, you know, like uh, the people of United on the tarmac working to get a plane to take to the sky and put the words force for good on it. And it begins to take a slightly different meaning. It's the people of United that are the force for good. It's not United, the company. I mentioned BP earlier, and and I also uh, worked on uh, Ford. And when we worked on Ford, we were working on their um, corporate social responsibility agenda. And we went through a similar similar uh, process and there's definitely ways to do this that are pretty common across all sort of uh, esg and corporate social responsibility there's a template in ways to do it so it can be done in a way where at least it it uh, it shows humility it is it um it requires the recognition that you know things aren't great right now but you have a plan and you plan and you shoot towards it. And it's that humility, honesty, and recognition that you're on a journey, that you haven't achieved it yet, but you're on that journey, are kind of the three legs in the stool of doing it right. And, and, it, and it's, it's tough. But, you're, you're, but this, this, to me, is less about all of that. I, I, don't think, I think your work is more about humanizing and making it feel um, um, more like honest. an, an yeah, honest and an organization of people, not of planes. You nailed it, Fergus. So just so just so the listener knows, and you guys both know perfectly well, a force for good in the world is not used in any of the communications. The line that you guys use is "good leads the way." So yeah, we're not that crazy. <laughs> yeah, not that crazy. <laughs> just everybody knows. So l- let's talk about the uh, the creative work and uh, how the campaign has rolled out. It, it has a very interesting sort of a social media sentiment to it, or or a sense a sensibility to it, I should say. Um, tell us about the 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 uh, describe the work, and then we're going to drop a couple of the spots in when we go into edit. But tell us what what we're looking at. What are we seeing here, and what are we hearing? Well, thank you. I'm really happy to hear you say that. We are one team at United Social and Advertising, and so we have so much heart for social media, and are definitely protectors of a social first strategy. And so this first phase of advertising is really chapter one, you know, the invitation for people to hopefully want to learn more about United and the United, maybe they didn't know that they knew. Um, And so we did that on Twitter. We had, you know, specific social anthems that we built for something like Instagram Reels. So again, we didn't take the same commercial that you saw on TV. We made something that looked like you would see on an Instagram Reel or a TikTok that was a little bit less polished, you know, showed, you know, more personality of our employees. And so with the video, you know, which is really the heart um, of this campaign launch, we started with the 60 second anthem. This is the story of an airline. It begins a century ago. Wait, let's find a better way in. This is the story of an airline, one that's a force for good. And it's got everything. Romance, suspense, setbacks, seatbacks. It's a sci-fi story about a piece of trash that fuels a plane to help protect the planet. 
It's a rescue story to save a connecting flight told over and over and over again. And a coming-of-age story about a little girl who dreamed she could fly and then did. Trust me, you won't want to put this one down. In fact, you can't because you're in it. Yes, you! Along with thousands of other hero characters on a mission to do good in the air and beyond. Making the world a happier, friendlier, safer, greener, more inclusive, more fascinating place. The end. No, wait, that's not right. This story doesn't have an ending. But that's kind of the point of the story. We're never finished. Because this is the story of an airline when good leads the way. Have I got a sci-fi story for you. A future with jet fuel made from banana peels, electric planes, and zero emission hydrogen engines. All to help protect the planet. But the best part? It could be sci-fi without the fi. It's the true story of this airline's vision to do the right thing, the smart thing, the hard thing. Because all of this is worth it. For real. But then from there, you know, we took research that told us, you know, what do people need to hear about United? And so then we built, you know, smaller videos off of that to talk about something like Connection Saver. Our story begins happily ever after. The end. Oh, right. This story would normally have conflict, drama, sweat. But this technology we invented makes sure more passengers make their connecting flights. The end. For real this time. So really took, you know, all channels into consideration and, you know, all message points that we really needed to get across. In terms of uh, results and KPIs, both from the business side and from uh, you know, brand lift, can you share anything? What's uh, what you guys have achieved so far? Yes, absolutely. You know, we set out with this campaign to change the way that people feel about United Airlines. And more specifically, we have several different pillars of messaging within that. You know, do we demonstrate to people that we are a leader in aviation, a leader in corporate America? Are we doing right by the environment? You know, those types of things. In every category, we have seen a significant move in the right direction for people to really understand that, yes, United Airlines is delivering on all of these aspects. You know, the category where we've seen the biggest improvement um, as, is as a leader in aviation, which if I had one to pick, you know, that's the one that I would want us um, to have the most improvement in. So it's really been amazing to see the results after just, you know, really a half a year of advertising. Um, we launched this in May 2022. We effectively had, you know, two bursts um, of advertising last year. And so to see this type of reaction shows us that we're absolutely um, on the right path and looking forward to kind of future iterations of the campaign. Now, selling tickets was not, you know, the first primary goal here, but of course, that's something that we're also looking at. And we are also able to contribute, you know, an uplift in ticket sales as well based on this advertising. So Carl, can you guys look at uh, segmenting out that sort of younger target, that 18 to 35 from the 35 plus? And were you seeing any differences in terms of an upside in how each of those groups were responding to the message? Were there differences between one group versus the other? Uh, I think there were 
some differences. I think the, uh, the good news is that the audience we designed the work for received the work even better than Gen Pop. So uh, as you segment down to this younger leisure audience that cares about brands that care, you see an increase in our increases, if that makes sense. And then within that, there's nuance too, you know, like, so I agree completely with Maggie. United is a leader in aviation is a, a score that as a primary focus for us as a team, because it unlocks so many other scores. You know, if you're seen as a leader, then you're seen as an innovator, then you're seen as a person that puts customers first. Like there's just an exponential nature to that data point that we focus on. But when you look at uh, younger, more leisure travelers, you you see specific uh, increases that are focused on what they care about. So United cares about the environment. United is committed to Dean and I. Like it, those specific attributes, they really see what we're doing and they really appreciate what we're doing. So you see a sort of exponential increase against those measures too, which is awesome. So it's uh, Maggie Schmerin, head of global advertising and social media for United Airlines in Chicago, and Carl Mueller, co-head of strategy for 72 and Sunny in Los Angeles. Thank you both uh, for being a part of this. It was great talking with you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you, Vargas. We really appreciate that. And we will see everyone on the next episode.